0: our series this is the last message of this series and we've been on track for uh really some things that'll truly bless you these are god's ordinary principles he he speaks them through the the, he's all through his scripture but we're using the book of nehemiah and extracting all these principles and in the series is decrypted hashtag underneath discerning the will of god from my life and the reason it's decrypted is sometimes we look at the Bible and we're like, I don't understand even any of this. It's better off just staying on my coffee table. And what we're trying to show you, it's really not that hard to understand. In fact, we're going to bring it down in really simple terms. And we're going to bring topics out of it for you so that you can easily apply it. Go search it out, go, go, go follow back up. You can find these notes on UVersion, Uversion.com, and then you can follow up during the week. That way you can get a more thorough understanding of what it is that we're teaching in God's word. But it, we're decrypting. We're literally taking scripture and saying, hey, cookies on the bottom shelf, everybody gets to eat. Some of it may be top shelf, but most of it's bottom shelf so that we can all eat, be filled, and enjoy our day and go about growing in the Lord. That's the purpose. Well, in week one, we talked about just laying the foundation of God's will. Before we get started, we have to understand that Ephesians 2.19 tells us, we've been adopted into his family. Well, hallelujah. Then then right there in the same verse, he says, we're now members of his household. And and, and you say hallelujah to that, but then when you're members in a household, in a healthy environment, there's chores. There's chores in the household, hallelujah. (laughs) No, no, not in my house. I didn't grow up. Well, there may be a problem there. We need to talk about that in freedom. But there's chores in the household. Well, yay. But then he says, you're, don't forget, you're a citizen. You're, you're a citizen with the saints in heaven. And so he lays a foundation to you. You, you belong here. That's your purpose. You have purpose. And your identity is in Christ. That right there is going to lay down the foundation of the will of God for your life. Because when that's not foundational, you're going to be confused on who, where, where do I belong. You're always flighty, trying to figure out where, in which place, with what people, and what reason do you belong. And then what's my purpose? I don't know why I'm here. Why am I on earth? And let me tell you, every thought and emotion and every doubt and every, every fleeting situation will come through and challenge you, you're, what you're doing and while you're do, why you do it. And, and should you even be doing that? until we realize no my purpose is in god and and i've got that from him and then my identity let me just tell you there's a lot of identity crisis going on in the world right now and until we find that in christ in his word in his truth we're going to struggle with who we are but once we discover according to his word who we are well then life is much more steadfast it's blessed it's easier along the way okay that's just week one, restoring freedom. We talked about that. We talked about the five basic ministries of Jesus. You see it in Isaiah, Old Testament book, prophetic. And then also in Luke again, Holy Spirit baptism is, one, is the number one thing. Then he says, oh, it's salvation, this is in the list. Salvation, Holy Spirit baptism, emotional healing. Hey, good news, he heals emotions. Physical healing, hey, good news. He heals, it's a ministry of Jesus to fit, to physically heal us. And then deliverance, to get us set free from the bondages of life past. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But that's literally a ministry of Jesus. He wants that for us to not live in the bondage of the past. You know, Scripture says that we were once enslaved. We were living in slavery, but in Christ, we're free people. We're going to build on that today because we struggle in that space we literally struggle in that space okay so then he said in the next in week three he, he sets shepherds over us shepherds are a part of his will he sets shepherds according to his heart and so shepherds cover they guide they protect and then we said love love is a part of god's will for our lives love and by through loving we we honor the dignity of dignity of others and we're willing to lay down our lives to build up others Until we start to love others like that, then it's hard to discover the specific will of God for our lives because that's who He is. And that's what He wants to work in us and through us for others. It's about, He's all about others. There's that vertical and horizontal. All right. And then we said, Hallelujah, fishing is part of God's will. Fishing. But what he means is, <laughs> the, the context of that is, is, is going out, casting your nets, catching people, bringing people in for discipleship so that they can discover, meet God, get to know God, and they can discover themselves in God. And so he says fishing, yes, is a part of his will. And whenever we're desiring his will for our lives, we're willing to go out and cast nets for the sake of others. We'll bring them in to meet him just in the same way somebody introduced us to him. And then tithing. The blessing nehemiah in chapter 13 the first thing he does he comes back and he restores the tithe and the offerings to the temples to the storehouse he does it not because of punishment not because we can't afford it but because he wants to bless us this is part of the will the general will of god to bless us what it does is shows where my because where my treasury is so too is my heart And when I begin to put my treasure back to God, he has my heart. Then I'm pliable, and when he speaks to me, it's easy for me to listen to him because my treasure is in him rather than my own material things or on my own self, my own ideology, my own philosophy. And then he is all of a sudden more wise than I am, and so I'm willing to listen to what he has to say and do, and therefore he blesses me. All right. And then we're moving into a con, a, a, an ordinance, an ordinary principle that is, I think is for most Americans is harder than the tithe. This is the very next thing that Nehemiah does. Same chapter, chapter 13. He restores tithes and offerings and then he does this. Because rest is God's will. And that's harder for us to do than it is the tithe. Why? Because I can I, I do that. I can give you that. But i got too much to do to rest no no no. this has got to get done this has got to get done this has got to get done. some guy told me after church a while ago the first service i got a tree that fell over on my fence and so i got to go home and do... rest is a blessing all right nehemiah 13 chapter 13 verse 15 through 18 says in those days this is nehemiah talking I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing sheaves and loading donkeys and with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens. Notice he applies these work to burdens, all kinds of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. Nehemiah is just sitting there watching them. He's like, We just read. The book of Moses. This is the book of the law. This is this explains the principles in which they are to live by. God's people are to live by. Chapter I mean, at the very beginning of this chapter, the first thing they did, they read the the book of Moses. Like I just told these people, they're they they're already doing the very things that we said God said not to do. Anybody ever been there? Is it? And so I'm thinking about this even this morning and I'm thinking, all right, let me put this in the context because these people are literally the next, the first generation after the people of God have been placed into exile, been into exile for 70 years. So a generation had to die off. A generation went into exile, died off. Their kids were born into, into slavery. So the Persians, sorry, the Babylonians came in, overtook the people of God, the Israelites, brought them into, took them into exile, into bondage. They were slaves having to work. They couldn't Sabbath. It was not an option. And then Persia comes and defeats Babylonia and says, oh, I'll take those people and use them as my slaves as well. And so they're, they're fresh out of slavery. But they're released. They are no longer in bondage. They are free people. But Nehemiah is sitting here watching. and he goes, "I just read them what God said, but they're living like people in bondage. But they're free, and so they're deal- dealing with two issues. And, and, and here's where I'm about to. Don't get offended, because in order to get etch etch at your heart in this area for the rest of the thirty minutes." I gotta shock you a little bit, because the scripture says that we are enslaved and we're, we live in a life of bondage until we come to Christ. So many of us are in Christ living in bondage. And so what I'm about to speak to is the paradigm of bondage in which you, you live, but God is saying in this place, I want you to live as free people. And free people don't live like people in bondage free people live in such a way where they trust me to do the very thing the blessing and and they uh, they live according to my simple ordinary practices because they trust me to do the extraordinary and they can labor they can rest from their labor and their own doings trusting that they have a god they're not in bondage to babylonia persia anymore they are free and here they are doing and going about and and yet here's the other thing that they're probably wrestling with Not only were they still in bondage in their minds, but they thought they had to take matters in their own hands to live well. They thought they had to take matters into their own hands in order to live well. Verse 16, men of Tyre dwelt there also. And these are people that are not of Israelites. They're not God's people. These guys lived there, they dwelt there also. They're in the camp who brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, what evil thing is this that you do by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do thus? And did not our God bring all, the, all this disaster on us and on this city? yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. He's like, bro, our parents went into bondage, got enslaved for doing the very same things. You get out and you go back to doing the very thing. What are we doing? What kind of insanity is this? He's trying to make it clear, but they're so ingrained The bondage is so ingrained, they're not understanding what free people live like. Is it possible, as New Testament believers, to profane the Sabbath? Does the principle of honoring God and setting aside the day for God mean anything to us here and now on this side of the cross? I'd say it does. And remember last week when we asked, why did God implement the tithe? We answered it with because he's a good father and if we were to ask this same question why did god implement the sabbath the same answer would be at hand because he's a good father the same answer because he doesn't want us to be tired fatigued and stressed all the day long he also wants to show us that he can bless the difference he can bless the gap he can bless the rest he can We can reveal ourselves to be different than the rest of the world and he can bless it so that they can see that there's one true God. Did you know that a consistent lifestyle of stress leads to physical, emotional, and, and mental damage to your body? Like not even high levels of stress in moments, but I'm telling you just sustained, consistent levels of stress over long periods of time does damage here. All around here and to the emotions in which I make from which I make my decisions: depression, anxiety, worry, fears like these start to destroy me, all because of sustained stress. Not to mention that the five leading causes of death for humanity are all that stem from stress. I wonder if Sabbath rest would bless us. Let me just say, number one, rest is a command. And in fact, it made God's top 10 list. He has a top 10. That's where it originated. A top 10 list. Exodus 30, I'm sorry, Exodus 28 and 11 says this remember the Sabbath day and keep it whole to keep it holy. Remember what we said last week holy means to set apart, not some weird religious thing. And it's just set it apart. Set it, set, make it look different than what your normal days, like your normal routines. Set it apart for me. Six days you shall labor and do some of your work, all of your work. And but on the seventh day is the, is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do some work. No work. But if I just did? But I got to do this. This is not going to get done. If I, no work. Set it apart. You, no, your son, he he, he has to lay lay this all out. I'm not going to do it. My son's going to do it. My daughter's going to do it. No, I know who's going to do it. I'm going to hire a male servant. He's going to do it. I'm going to hire a female servant. She's going to do it. I'm going to get an animal that can do it. Not even your animal. No, you're a stranger who is in, within your gates. Like, nobody, let me, let, God's like, let me work. Nobody. For six days, verse 11, for, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He just made it holy. He's like, I'm just gonna bless the Sabbath day. And four, in six days, it means because. The reason he wants us to set it aside, and nobody on our property, nobody belonging, nobody in our workforce, our works, but hey, nobody does any work because I did, Lord, the Lord, I made all this in six days, and then I rested. Can't you? What he's saying. We discussed the reason God implemented tithing last week, and we saw that it's because God wants to bless us. As our character is formed and changed towards him, he blesses that. And then more character formation, more blessing, more character formation, more blessing. But another reason he implemented tithing is so that we would be a witness. We would be a witness, that we would be a different people than all the people on the earth. We live differently. We have a different financial perspective We bring in the 10% and then God blesses the 90. He grows the 90 to be larger than the previous 100. Faith, trusting the Lord. And then not only that, people are ministered to and those who are in need are being able to be ministered to both inside and outside of the church. God blesses it. He brings abundance. There's a lot more to that, not time, not the message. And in the same way, the reason he implemented Sabbath is because he's a good father. But he also wants to bless our rest in him and as we set it apart. He led by example when he created the earth and the fullness thereof in six days. And then on the seventh day, he said, you know what, I'm just gonna chill. And he says, I want you to declare one day a week for, for, to set aside for me, showing the world that you believe there is one true God who blesses our rest and he is the creator of everything we have. When we rest, it shows the world we believe in creation. We believe that he can do more in six days. We believe that he can extend the sixth to make it look like the seventh and probably more. A A Sabbath is a day to gather with your family and teach them to find rest throughout their lives. What parent wants their children to live a full-out, stressed life? My mother continually says, you need to slow down. 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 (laughs) Which is what a Sabbath is set aside for. And it's the same way. You know why she says you need to slow down? Because she doesn't slow down. Because she's never exemplified slowing down. Guilty or not. She's in the room. It's the reality. Therefore, I model that slowing down, honoring a Sabbath, spending time with my family. Look, this is the beauty of it. I can come into church. I can worship. I can even serve him as an act of worship in one of the services. I go home. I don't go in the yard and start cutting the tree off the fence. I spend time with my family. I take a nap. We have lunch, and we just enjoy time together. It replenishes. It revives. It strengthens the family dynamic. But again, this comes out of the Ten Commandments. And many think, well, I, I can follow the nine, but, you know, that one's not important. Or others think, you know what, they're so hyper grace that, you know what, on this side of the cross, their grace, God's grace is sufficient. You know, I don't need to worry about those 10 commandments. Uh, you know what, I, it's okay. Well, let's look at that. Because if we look at this, you would be saying that you can have other gods before God? Or you can say, oh, you can make, some, you can make idols? Which some of us, spend more time in our hobbies and our side things than we more do spending time with God or even thinking about God. You shall not take the, the, Lord, the name of the Lord God in vain. You can do that. Let's skip four. We don't, we don't listen to that anyway. Uh, honor your father and mother. Let me tell you, that just doesn't go well. Any moms like to be dishonored in the house? Any fathers like to be dishonored in the house? No. You shall not murder you can do that? No, Jesus actually took that, and he measured it up, and he says, listen, I say, if you speak negatively about any brother and sister, you've committed murder. He doesn't lower the standard. He raises the standard. Dang, Jesus. And then, you shall not commit, you know, you shall not commit adultery. Let, listen, let me tell you, I'm married to a Latina. That ends up in murder. <laughs> <laughs> You shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet. Isn't it is interesting, nine of them were saying you shouldn't do, but this one's okay. In fact, in the Old Testament, one guy, one guy got, he was murdered, he was put to death because he picked up sticks on the Sabbath. God was so certain, he was so adamant about drilling this principle into our hearts so that we would, so he could bless us, we would honor him and we could bless it. In fact, let me just show you. There's actually four of these laws that the penalty of, of, of betraying them are death. Murder's the obvious one. Adultery is another one. Get caught in adultery. Honoring your father and mother, dishonoring your father and mother, like that kid's going to the death penalty. Like they were serious about honor in the household. Why? Because as children, if we don't honor mother and father, We'll never honor our next spouse, the leadership in our lives. I'm not sure if she did. But the fourth one that ends up, if you if you betray it, that ends up in the death, in death is not honoring the Sabbath. Now, let me just pass this over through the cross. So you're saying, I'm going to get killed? No. Let's talk about the stress and what stress does whenever you don't rest if five of the leading uh, killers of of, of humanity is derived from stress, then you may be killing yourself by choosing not to rest. And not only so, your emotions have no time to recover so that God can speak into your heart to change your mindset, to bring healing to your emotions, and therefore you may be leading your life into a spiritual death. Did you know there was a man who was put to death? Could you imagine? If I keep doing and I keep going about and I'm just doing my own way, eventually it will lead to a spiritual death because I'm not leaving any margin for God to speak into me. And that's not only it. There's way more we'll cover it as we get down. But how many times have you heard, and I remember back in the day, back in the day where Uh, A lot of times it would be moms would go to the hospital and they said, I just need some rest. And the hospital would let them stay in the hospital overnight and they would check them out the next day because they just needed rest. How many times have you gone to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, you just just need to go home and rest. He prescribed a Sabbath. Oh, well, he knows what he's talking about. (laughs) What about God? (laughs) Nehemiah 13, 19 and 20. So it was. I love this one. I think I just kindred spirit with Nehemiah here. At at the gates of Jerusalem, as it began to be dark before the Sabbath, that I commanded the gates to be shut and charged that they they must not be opened till after the Sabbath. Then I posted some of my servants at the gates so that no burdens would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now the merchants and the sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. Now, these people were coming in, and they were so used to selling and vending and merchandising inside the walls of Jerusalem to the, to the people who should not have been doing anything uh, on that Sabbath day, they're just sitting out there posting. It's like, it's like this, it's like first Mondays, trades days outside the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, waiting to get in. And then he says in verse 21, then I warned them and said to them, why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do so again, I'm going to lay hands on you. You ever heard that term, keep on, I'm going to lay some hands on you? That comes from Nehemiah. <laughs> you keep coming around here, waiting outside the Sabbath, tempting my people, I'm, I'm going I'm to lay some hands on you. Dang. From that time on, they came no more on the Sabbath. <laughs> they got it. But Let me provide you context in the chapter of, from the Living Bible that will help you understand the perspective. Here's the passion that Nehemiah had about everything that he was trying to restore from the tithe to the Sabbath to even not blending with other gods. And in the midst of that, here it is. He says, so I confronted them, confronted these parents and cursed them and punched a few of them out and knocked them around and pulled out their hair. (laughs) He he wasn't messing around like, listen, you're going to get it. And remember, remember we talked about in week one, Nehemiah is a shadow. All of these are types and shadows of spiritual principles, actual, actual happenings, but now they're spiritual principles for us on this side of the cross. Nehemiah, his name literally means one from God who comforts. What did Jesus say when he said, I, I've got to go, but I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit come and just have a very strong word, or very direct word, a very convicting word, uh, in your heart? Oh, yeah. I think my wife just it just explained. Or now, is he doing that to hurt you? No. No. He's doing it because there's a blessing on the other side and he's being very direct to draw a line so that you will decide to cross that line onto his side of seeing things so that he can actually bless you on the journey that he's already set out for your life. This is the reason he's pulling out hair and knocking teeth out. (laughs) He's trying to bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, rest is a blessing. Rest is a blessing. Read this from the ceremonial law Exodus 31, 14 says, Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. This is the example. This was, is this was, this was the law. This was, those, who do not do, do in, those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. Like, he didn't want any of this. He wanted none of this influence in his people's lives. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. Verse 16, the Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it, like it's a celebration. Hallelujah, we get to rest. Finally, thank the Lord. I'm going to go celebrate the rest. For the generations to come as a lasting, one, one version says, a perpetual covenant, meaning it never ends. It's a covenant, it's an agreement. It's not contractual, it's, listen, I'm always blessing this Sabbath as long as you'll begin to set it apart away from your regular works and you just function as a Sabbath is supposed to function, there's blessings that are inside of it. It's not just taking a day and not doing your normal work, it's taking a day and honoring God in that Sabbath rest and watch him bless everything in your life by applying that principle. He says, it will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Two things in there. He says it's for perpetual, for For the generations, it's a lasting covenant. And who are the generations that he's talking about? Remember, Scripture says that we have been grafted in. This covenant is is for us it's a blessing for you and i it's for the jews but it's for those who are grafted in and then it says he was refreshed isn't it interesting that god rested on the seventh day and was refreshed like god doesn't get tired so there's a principle here whenever you see little things like wait a minute god doesn't get tired but god does so what is he showing us Is it possible that if we will take a true Sabbath and keep it holy, we won't get exhausted? Like we won't live, I'm just exhausted all the time. How's that Sabbath day? What? Is it possible that he's showing us, like I wasn't tired, but I just took the time to be refreshed. What if we, with wisdom, seeing that, I can avoid some things ahead, so I go ahead and do the things that are necessary for the avoidance of the things ahead, and not only the avoiding things, but being blessed in the difference of what I think I can't get done, but I can trust God to do those things and probably work out more issues than I can understand. How about I go ahead and use wisdom, apply wisdom, and just practice this ordinary principle and watch God do the thing, and then as I do, maybe it will be that I don't live an exhausted life. Maybe my stress levels go down. Maybe my physical body starts to respond to that, and now I can come off of some medication. Maybe that undiagnosable issue that's going on that the doctors can't figure out, maybe it just starts to go away because God begins to it has a chance to bless me. Maybe miracles start to happen. Maybe the, maybe the extraordinary starts to happen because I'm practicing the ordinary. Oh, it's a good word. Sabbath rest doesn't merely refresh our physical bodies, but it also refreshes our soul. You ever been uh, so tired and stressed that you can't make a decision? Like, like you, like you, at the, you're just sitting there trying to make a decision, and tears are wanting to come out, and you're trying to hold it back. Ever blown up on somebody over something small, and you, you, you're like, what did I just? What was the deal with that? No, of course you're not. No, not that guy. But that's a result of having no Sabbath. That's exhaustion. And what do you say whenever you come back around? I was just tired. Then rest in advance. Faith is something that you do not afterwards. Faith is something that you do in advance, trusting that God is going to respond because he is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. And what's our response why does why why don't we say the real reason is this i don't know it's not not that i'm tired i'm just being rebellious and i don't want to apply god's ordinances what if we said like what if that was our response we don't say that but how many problems would be solved if we followed the principles of scripture If we were refreshed and revived and refueled to have mental, emotional, and physical strength to thrive in life, look at Mark 2, 27. As Jesus is confronting the Pharisees over this thing of the Sabbath, he's reminding them that when David and his men were hungry, they came into the temple and the priest gave him the showbread. And he says this in 27, he said, "Uh, the Sabbath was made for man and not the man made for Sabbath. Jesus was confronting the Pharisees' perspective on the Sabbath because they were making it a religious duty. They were making his Sabbath so strong that it was lording over the people rather than the people being honored by the Sabbath, the Sabbath serving the people. The Sabbath serves us because there's blessings embedded in the Sabbath and as we apply the Sabbath by faith, there's blessings that, God, that we can't even understand that God releases upon us. And the tithe produces a blessing from God to provide. The Sabbath is a blessing from God to provide. Both of them are provision from God. But both of them take faith to apply. Three, rest is a benefit. And let me read you a piece from Psalm 92.1. Uh, I'm gonna read you 92. Uh, but 92.1 says this, it, it, it's a psalm for the day of Sabbath. Like David wrote a song celebrating the Sabbath day. And 92.2 is almost like a, a prescription to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Like I wake up, God, you've been so good to me. Thank you for all that I get to do and all that I get to have. And thank you for my family. And thank you for all the things I complain about when I'm tired. Thank you for all the beauty of, of, of the creation that you've given me to enjoy. Thankfulness. And then at the end of the day, faithfulness. Just I'm being faithful. It, it shows faithfulness. But Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being so faithful. Because you see, which you apply Sabbath, you start to see the refreshing. You start to, you don't allow yourself or your mind to engage in normal duties and don't fight. Let me just tell you, don't fight spouses on the Sabbath because all hell's trying to break loose on the Sabbath. Satan does not want you to rest because he operates in wounded emotions. And if he can keep you from resting and receiving healing in your emotions, then he can keep you in the perpetual state That he has you in. Psalms 92. 10, he says, but my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Now, he had already been anointed a long time ago. But what he's saying is when I honored the Sabbath and I praised you in it and I set it aside for you, it was, felt like there was just a fresh anointing on my life. I felt revived again. I felt refueled for the life ahead. I felt like all of a sudden I was reignited inside of you. But I'm not saying it's easy, easy because you got to fight for it. You're gonna feel guilty. You're gonna feel ashamed. You're gonna, you're gonna be thinking these thoughts and probably hearing somebody's uh, voice in your head, you should be doing more. You're not doing enough. You're not good enough. There's all this stuff's gotta get done. Who's gonna do it? Yeah, yeah, it's rattling around here. And you're, you're, you're disarming every one of those words and those thoughts and you're trying to bring it under the obedience of Christ. Hello, Second Corinthians 10, three through five. Hello. But once you overcome that, you will discover the art of refreshing from the Lord. And it's a whole different strength than the world can provide, than any prescription can provide, or anything else that can provide. And what happens is what you, that you discover that it's not that you aren't doing anything. In fact, you're doing a lot. You're refueling from the Sabbath day. That you're, you're able to sustain through the week physically, mentally, and emotionally, and that is very valuable because you need healthy emotions for the decisions of the, life, of the week. You need physical strength for the decisions and the actions of the week. You need a mental capacity for the decisions of the week. And not only are you needing to be refueled for you, but you're needing to be refueled for your family. They need a healthy individual to lead them in their home. You're being refueled for those in the workplace, whether you're, 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 you're an owner, operator, functioner, whatever your role. People need you. They're pulling from you. And if you have nothing to give, what's gonna happen? Let me ask you a question. Are you enough on your own to accomplish everything that's in your heart? Because if you are, you need to get some bigger dreams. But if you're not enough in and of yourself to accomplish what's in your heart, then it may be time to start applying the Sabbath to watch God do the rest. I'm gonna give you this last verse, one of these last verses. Uh, let me read 92, 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Verse 92, 14. They shall still bear fruit in an in old age. They shall be flourishing, and afresh and flourishing. Amen, right? That's what we want. How do I stay flourishing and, and, and bearing fruit, producing fruit? How do I stay uh, in this state always growing and developing, and it doesn't matter my age, it's rest. I honor God, and he blesses it. And he makes it, he makes it very, very transparent. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14, this is a word that God gave me a, about seven years ago, six years, seven years ago, I mean, I was working my tail off and I was building a new house and, and I can literally, the house that I was building that I'm living in now is 500 yards roughly from my, uh, my other house and I'm sitting there, I'm doing the work before work, after work, before on my Sabbath, before work again, like I'm always working on this thing. Who's gonna do it, right? I had some subcontractors coming in and doing the stuff that I couldn't do but I was trying to get everything done that I possibly could get done and I was so tired so I just, I just rested one day. Friday, and I'm reading Isaiah, and I come across this. It says, if you turn away from your, your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure, because it, it started out as a pleasure. <laughs> it wasn't a pleasure anymore. I just gotta get this thing done. On my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, next. And shall honor him, not doing your own ways, you know i got these things that i could be doing you know i really want to do this today i want to do i got to finish this up for the week because next week i nor finding your own pleasure oh my own hobbies like i can't do my own like what what i want to do like which turns into work nor speaking your own words verse 14 then you shall delight yourself in the lord and i will cause you to ride on the high heels of the earth and feed you with the heritage Of Jacob, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When you just set aside and you call my day a delight, and you just honor me in it, it doesn't mean religious duty. Let me tell you, if the Lord says, "Hey, go play golf, go play golf," he wants to meet you on the course, enjoy his creation. But if it becomes work and you're doing it every day, it might not. It might be work. But he says, if you just honor me. All these things that you're, achieve, you're trying, you're, your desires are, what you want to accomplish, what you want life to look like, he says, listen, I've got desires that I'll place in your heart, and I will cause you. Like, you can't, you can't this is a force to be reckoned with. You can't stop it, no, neither can anyone else. This is what he says, and he adds to that. The heritage of Jacob. You know, Jacob is of the lineage of Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith, and Abraham was blessed with descendants as many as the stars, right? But Jacob Jacob was he found this pretty girl. Mhm, goes and the father, he's like, I, "I will do whatever it takes to have her." He's just, he says, "No problem. worked seven years for me, and you can have her." Seven years, hard labor, just grinding. Wedding night. This ain't the girl I was trying to marry. That's our sister he's the father says, oh yeah i needed to marry her off for you at first i couldn't marry the other one but i will give the one that you wanted if you work seven more years deceived jacob's sitting here being deceived hard labor marries one wife then different culture different time then he works seven more years and he's 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 working his tail off Marries a wife that he's been trying to marry the whole time, 14 years. And now he's like, okay, I've done enough, Laban. This is the father-in-law's name. I've done enough. It's time for my family to go. We're out of here. He goes, no, 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 you can't go now. That's my family. That's my grandkids. I want to see my grandkids. What you, you can't do that. And they make a deal. And they say, okay, when you part the spotted goats, because they, sh- they were shepherding, the spotted goats you can have, but all the ones that are whole and, 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 and they're pure, they stay with me. And here's the picture. You do it God's way and you trust God in the most difficult times in any time. If you trust him in your most difficult situation, your most difficult scenario, the most difficult, uh, 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 any issue of life, circumstance, whatever it is, if you'll do it God's way, God can bless you. And in the midst of this, God gave Jacob wisdom. There was margin. Jacob applied the wisdom of God and The goats began, the the spotted goats began to multiply, I mean, rapidly. And all of a sudden, there was a greater number, greater greater population of those spotted goats than there were the pure goats. God was blessing Jacob in the midst of having been deceived, having been almost in a place where he can't be released, almost a, a place of oppression. And you may be in a situation, you're, I don't know how God can work in this situation. I don't know if it's ever going to work. I don't know what he can do. And, and I'm far too gone for his principles to apply for me. I'm just going to keep doing me. But God is saying, I'm going to give you the heritage of Jacob if you will just apply my simple, ordinary practices. He's saying, I'll do the extraordinary if you'll just do the ordinary. And I'm just going to leave it right there for prayer. And I want to pray for you. And there's a few things that God's put on my heart to pray specifically. I pray for emotions to be healed. I wanna pray for finances to be healed because out of our broken emotions and our hurt emotions, we're making poor financial decisions and it's keeping us in a cycle, which is causing us to have depression and further wounding our emotions, our hope, our perspective, our ability to trust and have faith in the Lord to provide, to give us the heritage of Jacob, to get us out of the difficult situations. And we're stuck in a cycle of bondage. Remember how I started this series, this message? But we're free people, but we're living like people in bondage. God's saying, if you'll just practice these ordinary principles, I'll do the extraordinary and bring you over. When God starts to confront some things, he confronts us right where we are in the place of understanding in the minimized space of understanding and that we have of and we, our desires and our ambitions and our goals and our, our wants and our frustrations and our, our doubts because I don't know how we can ever get there when we're stuck here. And then God begins to address us and he gives perspective. He changes the, 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 the paradigm in which we see things. And now we're able to see things through his paradigm, his wisdom and he gives us revelation, but we have practices to put into place to get us from bondage to free thinking. We're free people. So we should live free. I'm gonna pray for physical healing and marriage wounds. Cause I'm telling you, as we apply the Sabbath, there's gonna be some physical healing. There's gonna be some shifting in the body. There's gonna be some realigning because we're aligning with God and God can't help but to bless, him, bless His word, His truth, His ordinances. And when our emotions are healed, all of a sudden our perspective changes and we're willing to see things God's way and He heals our marriages. Hallelujah. So Father, we just thank you so much today for rest. And Lord, we just ask for help and grace and fighting to make a day, whatever day of the week it is that we can to find rest in you. Father, by faith, we're, 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 with fear and trembling, Lord, we just, I don't know how it's gonna work, but Lord, Lord, we ask that you heal emotions as your people begin to pursue you Call your day holy, however you ask them to spend the day. Maybe it is with a, a hobby that doesn't become a job or exhausting or taxing. Whatever it is, that you heal emotions. You, as they set aside time, Lord, and margin, Lord, that you speak right into the, the heart of their issues. Lord, that you heal finances, decisions. Lord, that you heal physical bodies, the blood levels start to get into alignment, the pain start to go away because of the rest. And Lord, I pray for marriages to be healed, to be restored. I pray for emotions to be healed so that marriages can be healed. And I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, y'all, let's, let's stand up. Let's, let's worship the Lord, yes, amen to that. Can y'all, can you get a good amen? Amen, amen. Amen.